And what I know is in that fear is some piece of valuable information and a whole bunch of stuff that's irrelevant. Everything I do is helping people know what they feel and why they feel it, and then acting on the feelings that get them the thing they want. Welcome back to another episode of The Burn. I am Ben Newman, and you've got this figured out. Every single week for the last five seasons, we have been bringing you stories of athletes, entertainers, entrepreneurs, individuals performing at the highest possible level, sharing the stories of The Burn that we often refer to as that sacrifice, that challenge, what gives perspective, that part of their story that ignites their why and their purpose, that then causes them to be disciplined in their action, especially in the days that they don't want to do it. And today is one of my favorite type of guests to have, and you've learned this about me over time. It probably surprises you every time we do it, but I love bringing on other performance coaches. And Denise Schull is not a performance coach from BNC Coaching, Denise Schull is the CEO of the Rethink Group, so she has an unbelievable resume. She's done incredible work. She actually is Wendy from Billions. We're going to let her tell you all about that. But Denise has done incredible work helping people take better risks, make better decisions, and deliver better results. And I've always been a big, abundant thinker, so she and I are going to have a great conversation that I help hopes you think differently in your life and makes that difference for you in 2023. So, Denise Shull, welcome to The Burn. It's fantastic to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Ben. Happy to be here. So, I have to start here because I know it's going to intrigue people because everybody loves the show Billions. So, how is it that Wendy from Billions, was it a specific client? What's the backstory of part of Wendy's character being molded after your work? Uh, the backstory is actually my interview on Squawk Box with Andrew Ross Sorkin in 2012. I didn't know it, but he was working on a pilot that turned out to ultimately be the pilot for Billions. And then, I don't know, two or three years, I guess it was 2015. So it was about three years later, he emails me and says, I'm working on this thing and I need your help. And I'm like, what? Um, net, 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 he asked me to meet with the actress, Maggie Siff. And I'm thinking I'm going to have lunch with her. But it turned out to a meeting in the writer's room and going through all about how I do what I do and all kinds of crazy things. Um, and then I didn't know what to think because it was clear the show started with her being a dominatrix. And I'm just not, sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I didn't, I, like, I didn't want to tell anybody that I had anything to do with it. And then the show came out. And in New York, people started saying, Denise, that's you. Denise, that's you. He said she was so finally like two months into the first season. I was like, okay, like I actually did have something to do with it. Um, so that's the backstory. I mean, there's a lot more to the story, but we only have a short time. So, well, I, I absolutely love it. I love the work that you do. And one of the things that I don't know if you find this fascinating, I find it fascinating. People typically see about I always like to say three to 5% of the work that we do. Somebody could see a locker room of talk with me with a football team and they think they've seen my work. It's the 95% that they don't see where you build a foundation and help people think differently, help people drive different results. So people have seen that you are Wendy, but tell us a little bit about your work 
And if we're thinking about people who right now there's fear, there's doubt, there's uncertainty, and they're waiting on the sideline, and we're going to get to the markets, but I'm just talking about mindset. If we're talking about those fears that keeps people from getting into the game, what are the conversations you're having with those individuals to inspire and empower them to take action during times like these? You know, in short, it boils down to knowing what they feel with no judgment and why they feel it. So like literally just a half an hour ago, I said to someone who is not a hedge fund guy, by the way, I was like, okay, between now and when I talk to you next, I want you to write down a list of everything you're afraid of with no judgment. I'm like, it might be 42 things. What we're going to find out is it's going to come into two, three, four buckets mainly. And what I know is in that fear is some piece of valuable information and a whole bunch of stuff that's irrelevant. It might be relevant to some other part of his life, but irrelevant to the decision. So, I mean, my work really started from two places. I was in a class with modern psychoanalysts and I found out they'd used the um, realization of anger to, and this is true, cure schizophrenia. And I was like, I literally, I, I made light of it. I was like, well, then it could help these crazy traders I work with. But I mean, it was a very serious thing. And there is a group of people trained by a guy named Hyman Spotnitz who have used unconscious anger to cure schizophrenia. That's reality. The world doesn't know about it. The other thing that happened is that same, it was a small institute. They asked to publish my master's thesis in 2003, which was written in 94. And I said, it's got to be rewritten. It's neuroscience. It's almost a decade old. You guys are going to look dumb. And so when I rewrote it, Antonio Damasio and a whole other group of scientists were showing, you have to have emotion to make a decision. And I was like, well, damn. Like all of investing and trading is take the emotion out of it. You know, so much of performance is like, use your intellect and your cognition to override how you feel. And I'm like, hmm, if you could do that, you actually couldn't make a decision. We have a problem, basically. That was what was going on. And I just started talking about it and it started resonating. So. Everything I do is helping people know what they feel and why they feel it, and then acting on the feelings that get them the thing they want, which also includes their intuition or their unconscious pattern recognition, that sense of what's right, which all experts have. Mm. So it's a really different way to work. I mean, I think it is because based on what I see, but also because people tell me that like I just started with a new client who works for a $123 billion firm. And, you know, they thought I was going to do a 360 and I was going to do like, where are you? What's on your mind? What's bothering you? You know, like meet you where you are and work through what you're thinking and feeling about what you think you want to do. And so, you know, I, I oftentimes refer to that, that process of uncovering that burn. And that burn, which is going to cause people to take that action, right? It's a feeling, it's an emotion, which then cause them to say, no, I have a standard that I'm going to live to. So rather than, than allowing that feeling to dictate how I show up, or I've been doing so well in the market, I'm going to take some time off, or it's been really tough, I'm going to, it's living to that standard. How important do you think that burn concept is for people to remember where you take them? You know, because I find it's that consistent remembering. Like, if you help somebody uncover that fear, like, don't think about it once. This is something that needs to become a pattern of the behavior to drive action by remembering that burn is how I always like to teach it. Yeah, I like that. A lot of people, even successful people, you know, have some doubt that they can really get what they want. 
or they deserve to get what they want, or they're not completely sure what they want. I mean, that was actually the guy this morning. And I have a, a music producer that's quite successful that's definitely in that not sure what he wants. Um, so I end up working with helping them figure out like what I think you would call that burn is. And then having them realize like they have just as much right to have it as the person next door. Like what is it about them that, you know, classically you'd call that imposter syndrome, right? Like I shouldn't be here or whatever, or they don't, you know, they grew up not in, you know, not particularly successful family and now they've made a bunch of money and like, you know, is that right? Do they feel guilty? Are they, like, I help people figure that out, what they want, and that feel okay enough about themselves to go after it. And then within that, there's always a leveraging their strengths. Like I have a portfolio manager, nicest guy in the world, probably the best marketing analyst I know, grew up criticized. You look like you paw like the screen froze for a second. Mm. But grew up constantly criticized. So he like always second guesses himself. So I'm, I'm literally like constantly like, what do you really think? And mm. chances are you're right. So I always feel like I'm helping them find their real best self and <clears throat> believe in it. You know, as opposed to that voice that which is often, I know what I'm really motivated by, but I kind of don't think I can get it for some ancillary reason. Sure. You know, so that's, you know, sort through their fears and their doubts. Because what happens when you, like, all information, all emotions have information in them. Negative emotions particularly have information in them. But you want to not act on the ones that are irrelevant to where you are now. So, like, if you grew up criticized, that has nothing to do with what the market's going to do to you. So it's a matter of pulling that spaghetti bowl apart and finding the information. Like, fear sometimes means, you know, maybe I should prepare better, right? Disappointment in an outcome maybe means, well, what should have I done differently? Like, it's not just get over those feelings. They're trying to tell you something. And what the research shows is that if you just try to get over them, they'll get louder. They'll mm. get in your way more. But if you differentiate, that's what's called in science, differentiate and granular, be granular, like you'll actually make better decisions. You'll be able to perform better. You'll neutralize the irrelevant energy and you'll be able to act on the, the information that's really about like you and how you can reach your potential, if that makes so sense. I, I, I always talk about, so you're helping people break through, you're targeting those higher levels of performance. I've always found that the highest performers in sports or in business, they're not seduced by success. Once they achieve success, it's not, hey, this is great. I don't need to work now. I'm going to take a vacation that wasn't a planned vacation because I do believe in vacations and time off with the family. But I've got a question for you because it, it's amazing the work that you've done, just the highlights, the TV interviews, how sought after you are in this space. I want to know from you, 24 years in New York, and all the work that you've done, all the success, what's the burn for you today? What keeps you from being seduced by success? What keeps you thriving to help people continue to attack their best? You know, I have this mission, like, to teach people that their emotions are okay and mm. their unpleasant emotions have value to them and then what to do with that. And why do I have that? I mean, in a lot of ways, because I grew up with any feeling I felt just being totally dismissed by anybody around me. And then me, like, sort of not buying the standard advice. Like, I remember one time my best friend, I can remember exactly where I was sitting, like, 
in Akron, Ohio, about to turn left onto 77 from Waterloo Road, and my best friend says to me, she's sitting in the passenger seat, we're like 20, you know if you stand up straight and smile, you'll be happier. I thought, hmm, okay. I never found that it actually worked for me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I've literally just been on this quest to make it make sense. Mm. And when I really learned about Damasio showing you had to have emotion to make a decision, which then led to, like, avoiding regret is one of the biggest human motivators, which has been shown in different scientific experiments. I was like, wow, like, this changes everything about people's experience of their world. So, I mean, in short, not to sound melodramatic, but I, like, have this mission that people don't suffer with their emotions being dismissed as much as I did. Mm. So, and that just drives me. I mean, that's... See, that, that I, I admire that about you because I often, it's conversations I have is help people find strength from their pain. And not only have you found strength from your pain, you've now made it a mission to empower people to address their pain, to not experience, you know, what you went through or what I went through or what somebody else went through. It's incredibly, incredibly powerful. See, now now we know why they were so intrigued from watching you on Squawk Box for you to be Wendy and Billions. So, which leads me to this, that you have been highlighted in so many different areas, so many different interviews on people suffering from market panic. How do people respond? And a lot of your coaching and work is with these high-level investors. What do you say to individuals right now that are listening? They're scared of the market. They want to time the market. I'm going to leave my money out. Not just these high-level institutional investor-type clients, but what do you say to that person who they're investing money for their future? They're confused sometimes by maybe what their advisor's saying. What advice do you give to that individual investor who's fearful of what's going on or what may happen in the economy? So this is a piece of advice I talk about with my professionals all the time. I talk to a London portfolio manager about this this morning. Everybody has a different way to see the market, like that it makes sense to them. If you're an individual investor with another job and you have a 401k, chances are the way it makes sense to you is long-term, right? Like, I think regardless of what happens this year, Apple or Amazon or, you know, in five or 10 years are going to go up. So, like, rule number one is what, how does it make sense to you? And stick with it. Like, and don't, it's going to make sense to other people in a million different ways. Like, my father bought stock and never sold a share. And then I became an intraday trader and I was doing 50 long short trades a day. And he was like, huh, that's interesting. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I mean, he was intrigued by it. But, you know, I talked to pros all day. I mean, I talked to two this morning that have completely diametric viewpoints. Now, they will both be successful. So, number one, usually a long-term, you know, an individual investor is long-term. Second of all, like, over time, the market goes up something like 73% of the time. So, basically, when we're in a, a pullback, we're in a recession, if you're in it for the long-term, it's an opportunity. Like, I hate to sound like, you know, asset allocation average in is, you know, sort of boring from a trader point of view, but it's also the truth. You know, it is the truth. So what do you have to do? You have to put your fears into, you use my method, then you put your fears into words. What are they really about? Well, okay, I'm going to lose all my 401k. Well, okay, how realistic is that? You know, if you're not 
retiring and, and living off that income starting this year, like you've got time, right? And the market now, its volatility is so much greater. So, so when it rebounds, it rebounds way faster than it used to 20, 30, 50 years ago. You know, it used to take three, four, five, 10 years for a bull market to really take effect and let's say, bring your portfolio back to where it was at some previous point. It doesn't take that now. Like it takes months to years. So people have a tendency to catastrophize. And as far as I can tell, it's almost universal, like 90%, where they're afraid of something and they play out, then this is gonna happen and then that's gonna happen. I was talking to a guy who I knew for a fact had $600 million because it'd been in the paper. It was a Friday afternoon, he was taking vacation for the first time in like 13 years. And I was, I mean, I'm a big believer in breaks, like you said, and I'm like, what is this about? He goes, I've been afraid if I left, it would all fall apart. Mm. I'm like, and I said to him, so your daughter was gonna be a prostitute and your kids are gonna, your, your boys are gonna be like <laughs> dealing drugs and in the ditch. He goes, exactly. <laughs> he literally said, exactly. I'm like, I'm glad you're finally going on vacation. <laughs> but that thing is kind of normal. So I'm like, let's expose it. Because sometimes when people expose that thing, you know, that's static about the terrible thing's gonna happen to them, it's right here, but they're trying. Then they look at it and they go, okay, well, that's probably not going to happen. It is going to happen. It's not going to happen tomorrow. And if it, you know, it's not even going to happen in like three, four, five years. So I have time. And then they feel like they can cope because they realize they have space and time to operate in. I could say that in a long way of like face your fears and <clears throat> no, I, ask them. I, 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 I love it. And I, I love your show method. I mean, you put a method to this type of thinking to drive better decision-making and long-term results. And we're going to make sure a link in the notes for the show. We'll add a couple of the interviews. We're going to put that Squawk Box interview so that people can actually see the interview. So I don't know if you can find it. We have no, it. No, no. We, we, I've got it. So I, okay. uh, I, I, I have it. And uh, so Tyler and our team, they do an incredible job. And so we'll make sure to link that. We'll also put some information on the Shull Method. But I want to address something because I just thought of this as you were answering this last question. My dear friend Ed Milet recently had an interview with Tony Robbins, and they were talking about investing and fear in the market. And Tony Robbins gave a statistic. It was something along the lines of over the last 20 years, you know, the market has averaged 8%. However, over that 20-year period of time, if you were trying to play hot and cold of the market rather than dollar cost averaging – and you missed the nine best days of the market over that 20-year period of time. Just nine days, if you were on the sideline, it went down to like 2% was your average return just because you thought it had, you had it figured out that you were going to pull your money out during this two-week period of time. And when you miss those days, it's everything. And that's what I think is fascinating about your work. It's almost removing this fear and saying, look, there has to be a method or a system, and you have to follow that method. Otherwise, it's going to hurt you, and it will be painful financially if you miss that time. Am I capturing that correctly? Yes, but it has to be one that you believe in. Mm. Because if you don't really believe it, like, you'll sort of follow it one day, and then you won't follow it usually on the worst day, right? And then you'll go back, and no, this is what I think I'm supposed to do. You'll go back to doing it. Like, so I like I'm building an e-learning course and it's meant to like expand the work to anybody that's in the markets. And I really start with like that. What do you believe about the markets? How much do you believe it? Like, do you really think that's right? Like my dad really said, buy the stock and hold it until I die. Like, and he had no other, <laughs> you know, perspective. He didn't know how to sell a share of stock. 
Like, you gotta, because otherwise you're, you, you know, you, you have an athlete that doesn't believe in a coach or doesn't believe in their, are they physically fit enough to play the season or whatever, like, and they, one day they'll do this and the next day they'll do that. You bounce around unless you have some cornerstone. And the cornerstone's got to be what you really think about the situation. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's neuroscience research that says the best traders are using their ability to read other people and not using math or finance. We all have the ability to read other people. So it's like you can understand the market as a social game. You can understand that there are players that are moving in and out, you know, and it may get those nine days, although the pros don't get those nine days. Right. Like you're not going to do better than a person at Wellington who has 40 people working for them and has been doing it for 25 <laughs> years and know everything there is to know and still have a hard time knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. You're just not. So what you're saying is, is that the, the, the ones who are the great readers of people need to be your traders. So you and I need to go to the World Series of Poker in Vegas and pick the people who win. Well, <laughs> I mean, the more, you think about it. You don't win in poker on the hand. Right. No. You win on how you play the hand for you yes. how you think other people are playing that. It's a sick. Like, it doesn't matter whether you have fundamental analysis and the companies are making this much cash flow, or you have technical analysis and you're meeting a moving average, or you have price volume analysis. All you're trying to do is predict where the crowd is going to take that price over your time frame. I love it. So. Well, I, Denise, I appreciate your work. I appreciate just the example that you set, just continuing. Because I, I think having a mission is so important. I know there's so many people who they watch our show every single week, and they hear these different burns, and they hear your story, and they hear other people's stories, and they just they keep coming. To, I, I got to find it. I got to find it. But you got to find that mission, too. And I, I love that answer is that once you find it, what keeps you going is the mission. Yeah, you got it. You got to have the why. I mean, it might be, you know, provide my children with a college education, you know, and a good start life. It doesn't matter. You got to have the thing you want to accomplish. Without that, you're just Aim aimlessly traveling through life. Yes, well put. So, if you could leave us for that individual who is sitting on the sidelines, whether it be one of the athletes or business professionals that listens every single week, what's the final piece of advice that you would provide for people to get into the game and to believe in themselves during tough times like this? Stop criticizing yourself. Replace understanding yourself, understanding like why you think and feel the way you do, really understanding it with the self-criticism. Just lose the self-criticism. It is not doing any good. Well, for all those listening, thank you so much, Denise, for coming on The Burn. This has been fantastic. Uh, I, I love the work that you do. Uh, I love shocking people. Going, like, you have another performance coach, and she's not <laughs> part of your team? Yes, that's correct, because we can all help each other. And when we're driven to serve, it's that abundance mentality that allows us to make the world a better place not living in scarcity. So, Denise, I can't thank you enough. We are going to have so much fun in, these, in the caption and the call notes with past interviews and sharing your show method. <laughs> so please, everybody, share this with somebody. You know, there's so much fear. There's so much doubt. People are worried about money. Please share this episode with somebody that might be living in that fear and you believe that this will make a difference. Until next week, 
Thank you so much for every week joining us for The Burn. And we're going to continue to help you remember that one day at a time, that is how winning is done. Continue to show up, stay connected to your burn, and we're in this fight together. This episode of The Burn Podcast is powered by BenNewmanCoaching.com, your number one source for increasing consistency in your life and building the mental toughness habits required to live the life of your dreams. From self-paced courses to live coaching with Ben and everything in between, head over to BenNewmanCoaching.com and join the thousands of members working to unlock their peak performance every day.